sir? I'm good, Lotet. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, lots to talk about. Let's start here. Uh, we heard yesterday, I, know, I don't know when you found out, but uh, Robin Brownlee, who obviously well-known to you, me, and everybody in the uh, sports community in Edmonton, passed away yesterday along with John Short. But I know uh, because you worked, obviously, with Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation that you would uh, would have known uh, Robin quite well. Um, so any thoughts? I know that you, you probably entered the media industry with him as an established guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have lots of thoughts on Robin. Always had a lot of time for him. He was a you know semi regular on my show, someone I've known for a handful of years. Tired. I mean, he listened to to your show all the time when I was the producer, so I always had interactions with him. And I mean, for me, one, I had a ton of respect for who he was professionally and the work that he did. One of the best to do it in the city, and also for what he meant to the company that's now given me employment. Like Oilers Nation is not what Oilers Nation is. If a guy like Robin Brownlee who was an incredibly legitimate and mainstream voice, doesn't make the jump to the site back in its early days. Like He was one of the first writers on the site, and he was one of the first people who believed in the vision that, that Jay and Wanye had here. So, I mean, so much respect for who he was as a person, as a writer, and, I mean, it's incredibly sad right now, but, I mean, this is also a chance to look back on just how much he meant to the Edmonton sports media landscape, and he meant a lot. It's true, and I think that that when when we look at uh, what was lost here in the last couple of days, you know, John being very similar, but Robin sort of from a, a, a different angle and a newer generation. Um, I don't think I, I don't think with John or Robin, this community, which is a very vibrant and vital and interesting group of voices, either by you know online or or on air. Um, Edmonton is a sports city, but Edmonton is a big sports media city. And those two gentlemen passing the same day is kind of a reminder that both of them were kind of builders and the foundation pieces. Oh, man. I mean, John Short, like I always go to for people who listen right now, John Short is your favorite sportscaster's favorite sportscaster, right? Like what he meant to everyone. And I had a chance to chat with Speck today a little bit about it. And obviously we know how much he meant to Jason Greger as well, like you find basically anything in this city that is sports media, John George's fingerprints are somewhere on it. He had an impact on it in some way. So, again, like a massive, massive loss. Uh, Tyler Uremchuk, our guest from Daily Face Off and Oilers Nation, wanted to ask, I'm asking everybody this who we talked to today, and I'm, I'm doing it generationally because I do think there's a generation gap. If the Oilers win the Stanley Cup in the spring or early summer, uh, what will your age group do to celebrate? Where will you go in the city, and what will you do? Where will I go in the city? I mean, I'm maybe not a great person to ask about this one, but I just, after seeing kind of what the city was like in that playoff run to the Western Conference Finals, and then even being around last year, throwing our parties at Greta with Oilers Nation and all of that stuff, like, I would love to see the way this city explodes in a potential Stanley Cup final. Never mind a potential Stanley Cup final against, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example. Like, this city would be on an entirely 
different level low tide. So where would I specifically go to party and celebrate? I have no idea. All I do know is that I am itching and clamoring to see what this city would react like to a trip to the Stanley Cup final. I'll be on the radio reminding everybody that the the TV cameras will be rolling and the police will be monitoring bad behavior even months later. So you've got to be really careful out there to not do something that you're going to be charged with. I won't have to do that with you, though, right? Uh, no, I think you know that. Okay, there you go. Uh, so let's talk about the Oilers because they're such an exciting team right now. They've won nine in a row. Uh, I feel like we have to burn the tapes from earlier this year because this team has just turned it around so magically. But they've been to nine before. They're playing Montreal Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Is this the time they do it? Do you think they're going to win 10 tomorrow? I just see no reason to think that they can't. Like This Montreal team's not playing amazing hockey this year by any stretch. They're not exactly a quality roster either. Edmonton's going to have their number one guy going. I think with that number of 10 in mind, we're going to get a great effort from this Oilers team, similar to what we got last night. I, I think they can do it. And the fascinating part for me with this group is last year we saw them play their best hockey leading into the playoffs, right? Their best stretch came after they acquired Matias Ekholm and upgraded the roster. I think right now, comparing the Oilers roster as it sits at this moment to last year at this moment, the Oilers right now are better. So how can they upgrade this roster? How can they make it better than the one that we're seeing right now and the one we saw last year in the playoffs? Because they should be able to do something here to improve. And, And that's what really has me excited and thinking that this team's capable of doing more and going further than they did last year. Well, and, and you know, credit to Ken Holland. We, whenever he's healthy, Matthias Ekholm makes such a big difference in that top pairing, uh, Ekholm and Bouchard playing with, with McDavid line. It's a five-man in unit of glory. They're just out of sight. If you, if you, and I, like, I've looked at it six ways to Sunday, and I, you know, you'd like to get a goalie, but now Ottawa needs one. I just think the price tag's going to be so high. Uh, Darren Dreger mentioned Sean Monaghan. His underlying numbers aren't fabulous. And you're good at this. You always pinpoint who it is that they should go after. Do you have anybody in mind or a couple of players in mind as as maybe options should their team fall out of it and Edmonton have a chance to acquire them? Uh, See, you're right. Usually I'm throwing my name behind someone, whether it's uh, Ricard Raquel. Last year I was all in on Matthias Ekholm. This year I'm having a bit of a problem with it, Tide, and I'm working on a piece right now that's going to go out at Oilers Nation tomorrow that touches on this, but... There's so many what-ifs with this roster right now. What if Stuart Skinner and Calvin Picard or Pickard keep playing well leading up to the deadline? Keep up these numbers. All of a sudden, you don't really need to go get a goalie. What if Cody Ceci and Darnell Nurse keep showing they can handle the minutes you're giving them? And Cody Ceci's looking like the Cody Ceci from his first year with the Oilers and Darnell Nurse keeps having this insane resurgence. Well, if your top four keeps playing the way it is, maybe you don't need to upgrade Cody Ceci and get a top four D-man. If Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle keep scoring, which I think is, you know, unlikely. But if they keep rolling, maybe you don't need a top six winger. Maybe you need to get a third line center. Like right now, it's hard to pinpoint what the Oilers need because everything is going so well. It's hard to look at this roster and identify outside of some bottom six help really what the big impactful move should be. So I'm torn on who my big target of the year is. I would love someone like a Boone Jenner if he shakes loose because I think he's an Ekholm-esque addition to the forward group in the sense he's impactful, can fill multiple roles, and the comparison to Ekholm being he's going to be around for a couple of years. His contract has some length to it, and that would be a very Ken Hollandy kind of move. So I like Monaghan. My dream target's Jenner, but I doubt he shakes free. 
I like a guy like Nick Sealer if you're looking to upgrade yeah. that seventh defenseman spot. Sean Walker <clears throat> maybe as well in Philly. But outside of that, I, I just don't see like a slam dunk top six option per se that's available right now. And part of that's because there's not a lot of sellers. How long will this team uh, put Connor Brown into a roster spot, say top nine, like he was last night on the third line? I mean, I, I like his, he had a couple of chances uh, and, and his expected goal share has improved. So there's improvement. But at some point in time, uh, do you have to kind of get off that train and move on to another one? Hmm, that's a really good question. I, I'm still okay with it for right now. And people are probably rolling their eyes at that being like, oh my God, Connor Brown stinks. How are you standing up for him? But I watched that game last night. He does good things out there. I notice him in a positive way a lot. I don't notice him in a negative way all that much, except for the moments where I'm like, God, how did that not go in for him? But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you can keep rolling him out for now and maybe get a better option. Like again, I think Connor Brown's doing more positive stuff in the lineup than Adam Ernie as a whole. So he's probably above him on my on my depth chart still, even if you want to mix in a Holloway at some point or you want to give Sam Gagne a game. So I'm fine with it for now, but it's a different story when it comes to the deadline. If they add a good bottom six winger, if they sign a Corey Perry, then when there's better options, slide them up ahead of Connor Brown and don't think twice about it for now. I'm okay with even still giving him the odd shift with Leon Dreisaitl and trying to get him going. Like, you have nothing to lose. Do you, I've got people on my blog who every day wake up as, you know, they're going to play Sam Gagne today. I get it. I really like him as a player. He's having a great year. Uh, I think he is more valuable than at least one player on the fourth line. But do you break up a team that's winning all the time? I'm usually against breaking up a winning lineup. I don't think that is a, uh, that's a great idea, Tide, but. At the same time, when the winning streak's this long, I think you can sit there and go, you know, we're not riding some random heater or this isn't a whole bunch of luck we're getting. Like, no, no, we're just a good team. So I think you can make some adjustments. But here's what I'll say with Sam Gagne, low tide. I brought up this point with Gregor. I've said it on 100 shows already. On home ice this season, he has four goals and two assists in 11 games. On the road this season, he has no goals in seven games. Treat him like a lefty specialist in baseball, Lotai. You know, you only bring in Brandon Belt, to use the Jays example from this year, when you're facing a right-handed pitcher. Just play Sam Gagne at home. Don't even bring him on the road. Let him hang out with his wife and kids, chill back in Edmonton. I would just play him every home game the rest of the year. I think he's fueled by the fan base and how much the fans love him. Is that a good answer? No, it's a great answer. And, you know, they did it with Jacques Plante in 75, so it's been done in this city before. Um, let me give you uh, a chance to talk about the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. How stoked are you for this game, and how much do you think the Bills will win by? I think they're going to win by at least 10, which is <clears throat> spread, but the only thing making me nervous right now, Bills are bit by a bit of an injury bug. No Gabe Davis. They might not have Razul Douglas either. Some big losses for them. And the weather. Things get random when the weather gets really, really bad. So do I have any doubt that the Buffalo Bills are Far and ahead, the better team in this matchup. Yes, the Steelers don't have T.J. Watt. They're not a good football team. Mason Rudolph, not a very good quarterback. But this weather low tide, this game might end 10-7, and that makes me nervous. I, I just feel like, because, I and, and nothing, like, I'm, I'm not trying to c- cause problems, and if it doesn't go well, don't hate me. But I just feel like there's a Bubby Brister out there, and he might show up, and, and that's the only way they can lose. 
Well, I have no idea what that means or who that is, so it won't affect me in the flesh. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a great weekend, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you, you too. Talk to you.